Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Everyone and welcome to episode 23 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we want our MTV. My name is Joe Morata, joined by the original VJ, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? I want my MTV. I know you do, Michael. I said it with a British accent a little yeah, bit, so I'd sound like Skang in them. Yeah, Pete Townsend. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for sending yourself over here yeah. to... <laughs> For, sorry for that segue, to uh, listen to us in the retro pop culture celebration. If this happens to be your first time aboard, hey, thanks for making it past the intro. Yeah. It's an accomplishment. You made it. You made it right here. Uh, You're probably yelling too, oh, well, I am too, because that's like, remember, that was a whole thing. That was a whole thing. We'll be talking about that. But hey, we have a whole thing, all different episodes available where, Quinn? On the archives. In the archives. All different retro pop culture topics each and every week, something completely different. And if you want to talk more about that, you can follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast on Twitter. And you can also join our very friendly Facebook group, Acid Washed Memories, on Facebook. You just join our group, and we're talking about all sorts of retro pop culture. All stuff. But folks, thank you. We're really excited for this one here, because today we're talking about MTV Music Television. I want my MTV! MTV in 2023 is well beyond much different than what it was and what it meant culturally in the 80s and well into the 90s. MTV now is part of a very large conglomeration. Oh, yeah. There are various MTV subsidiaries and different channels under the MTV banner. Yes. It's more of like a legacy product, if you ask me. The name still carries, in my opinion, the cool factor. And I guess what we're here to talk about is how that whole cool factor got started, because MTV in the 80s and 90s turned the unknown into stars. Yes. It turned stars into superstars, and it took an audio medium and merged it with a visual medium. Yes. Television. Yes, and it informed music television. MTV Music Television. In stereo, you'll never look at music the same way again. And that had never been done to that degree before. Obviously, there was music videos. We're going to talk about those. It's true. But it also influenced and permeated the pop culture uh, zeitgeist. Can I yes. say zeitgeist? Sure. It brought music into... It already was mainstream, but it brought it to like... Because it was like in front of your face for something to watch. Yeah, visually. It made it even bigger than it already was. Exactly. Right? And it influenced fashion. Yes. It influenced a lot of different tastes and things of its time. And it did have that cool factor, Quinn. If you heard MTV, you know, growing up in the 80s, 90s, you're like, oh, I want to see that. MTV. Yeah. It's on MTV. Lip Service, The Grind, MTV Jams, MTV's Most Wanted, Beavis and Butthead, and Kamikaze. MTV's Afternoon, every weekday on MTV. I can see it just selling cable in general, right? Oh, if, you, if you heard about this thing. Absolutely. Like, honestly, like, before MTV Cable, like, yeah, they had some cool stuff like endless movies or sports or whatever. Sure. But to younger people, they're like, I don't know. Like, why would I beg my parents for this? Right. Right. It's like, I, I want to go listen to music or whatever because that always was popular with kids, right? Yeah, of course. Or go to concerts or something. Now it's the concerts are in your house and they're endless, right? Exactly. And you get to see the hot new artists, their videos. What are they wearing? What is the video like? Yeah. And it really became destination television for a lot of people for more than a generation, you know, in the even, 80s, 90s. Yeah, it even kind of like replaced radio to a sense when it was like in, when it was like in the rotation mode where it yeah. would actually be done like a radio and Correct. not like later. Like a television program. Right. 
like we said, today MTV is the home of uh, reality TV. Became very successful with that in the 2000s. It's the home of Rob Deirdrick. It is. Ridiculous. It, it very much is the home of Rob Deirdrick. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that really is real. And the kids that are growing up now or grew up maybe the last 10, 15 years, it probably doesn't mean to them what it meant to me, what it meant to people 10, 15, 20 years older than us yeah. listening to this. I remember my teen years when it, it still was like, a th- they, they had changed things, but it still was a destination in the afternoons. Absolutely. Yeah. There was good programming on there and the music. What's going on? Carson Daly here. Total Request Live, moments away. Top 10 most requested videos in all of the land. But we're going to start in the beginning, as mm-hmm. we always do. Quinn, what's a music video? See, there's this thing called music where you listen to it, right? There's this thing called video that you watch, right? Okay. But what if they were singing or playing music in front of you while you watched it and also just doing like cool things like jump out of airplanes or like go on beaches or eating cereal or or walk through towns and there's all these bad dudes around and they're acting cool like it's it's like that that's a that's a music video there you go so now you heard it here first folks mtv contrary to maybe popular opinion or misconception it wasn't as if the music video was invented with mtv in 1981 it was a promotional device especially in the uk but even like you can find like Donna Summer like music videos that she made at the t- that she recorded yeah. like in the seventies. Sure. Like they exist yeah. even in the sixties. There's the Beatles recorded certain like video things mm-hmm. that they did for stuff. Right? Correct. Yeah, uh, the music video had existed, uh, and obviously people singing uh, to music and performing in front of people uh, has been around since musicals. You know, on the yeah. stage and uh, musical movies, which were adopted from that. And the way music programming was prior to MTV is it was shown in either live or lip-synced performances such as like American Bandstand. Our special guests of the day are Steve Alamo from Where the Action Is and the group called Love, the fellows who sing My Little Red Book. It'll be a busy day. With Ed Dick Sullivan Clark. Show. They're a sensational group here, the Jackson Five. So let's have a fine round. Top of the pops, you know. Yeah. For all of you, from all of us here, a fabulous, fantastic B Y R D S, the birds. And like Quinn said, there were promotional clips by bands such as the Beatles in 1965 and onward. The Moody Blues even predated them in 64 with Go Now, which yeah. was their big single. It felt very utilitarian, right? It was kind of like, we can't make it, so we sent this. Well, that's exactly like, what it was. It was yeah. a promotional clip. Right, exactly. It was done to alleviate or avoid having to make all these appearances in person. Right. And focus on other things. It was a promotional tool. Bob Dylan in 1965 got in on it with Subterranean Homesick Blues. The Who in 65 with I Can't Explain. And later on, Pink Floyd, The Kinks, The Stones, even into the 70s with Alice Cooper, David Bowie. And in 1974, in Australia, so shout out to our Australian listeners. Hi. (laughs) Good day, I believe it is, Quentin. Good day. Foster's. Uh, (laughs) Beer. Foster's, Australian for beer. We're sorry. There were two shows uh, that launched in 1974 in Australia, and uh, they were called Countdown Fosses and Sounds. And sounds is a very, sound. what a name. This <laughs> <laughs> is a bunch of sounds. It's just, that's what music is, yeah. right? It's just a series of sounds, unlike the internet, which is a series of what? Tubes. It's, it's a series of tubes. Exactly. Both of these shows, Countdown and Sounds, played these aforementioned promotional clips from bands of the time and uh, in the past, and they were influential to exposing uh, 
these bands from Australia to a wider part of the country and also wherever else these yes. programs aired, such as ACDC and Ecstasy. Uh, and in 1975, there was a band known as Queen. You might have heard of Queen. Oh, them, yeah. You, you ever hear of them? Yeah, they had videos. I've seen them before. They did. Their Bohemian Rhapsody video, the original one, not the Wayne's World-like mix-in. Shitty Beatles. The Shitty Beatles? Are they any good? They suck. That's from 1975, and they played that on top of the pops. That might be the template or the prototype for what we would call the first modern music video. Yes, and I would say the difference is, is they're not just standing there playing their instruments and performing the song they're it's like it's got like a, a theme to it right they're yes. like and it's just maybe them singing or other things happening and you're hearing the song it's like, got theatrics to it yes right it's got more of, of a performance to it performance art they basically they started kind of like why not instead of us just singing the song like we're in a concert or something why don't we just i don't know get a little bit of production so it stands out right good word production that's exactly right, what it yeah. is. As the 70s wore on, these types of clips and videos became more prevalent. And there were programs that maybe some of you guys have heard of, some of you old school music heads out there, like Midnight Special, uh, Don Kirscher's Rock Concert. And in 1979, if you're keeping track with the years here, there was a uh, program called Video Concert Hall, which was shown on both the USA Network and Showtime. Here's lovely Rita, Rita Coolidge, on Video Concert Hall. It played music videos from such artists as ABBA. Mm -hmm. So we're talking of the time, right? Is it ABBA or ABBA? Joe? ABBA. I thought it was ABBA. Maybe it is. Blondie or Bland band. Blandy. Blandy, um, yes. Them. The Buggles, they'll become important. Yeah. Or the Bugles, as some people know them. <laughs> David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Bowie. Yes. Devo, Dire Straits, Police. That's good, Sting. Yeah. Parliament Funkadella, Kai Matthew Toy, Sticks. This sounds like a great lineup right. so far. <laughs> Donna Summer. Oh, like Donna Summer's great. I just watched a documentary on her. She was the best. She's still one of your favorites, right? Absolutely. <laughs> that greatest hits album, Joe. This gets me fired up. Now, that is, uh, including Donna, Donna Summer, just a smattering of the artists. But I'm, said, I'm saying this to give you a context that they were playing the popular artists of the time, regardless of genre. Mm -hmm. Right? Because Donna Summer is very different than the police yeah, and I know just from like reading a book on MTV, a lot of this was out of necessity because it was like, where do we get music videos? So it was like, whoever made one, that's where. Yeah, and these like, were the people making there's not There's not enough of them, so you just take what you can get. You're not looking for like certain genres here. Exactly, you just play what there is. And an another thing that there was during this period of time was a show called Pop Clips on Nickelodeon, which was fronted, believe it or not, by the former monkey, Michael Nesmith. Wow. Yes. And he wanted to have a music video program, which began uh, production in 79, aired from 1980 to 81. This is a set of pop clips, said to be the first top 40-like audio video television show. The recipe is simple. Add pictures to rock music, combine this with a disc jockey you can see, and the formula is a hit. And other people at Warner who owned this, well, they kind of took the idea. They stole it from me, Carmine! They took it! So MTV came together around the time of this program that we're talking about. At the time, there was a company called Warner American Express Satellite Entertainment Company. What a combination of companies. <laughs> it Jeez. sounds made up, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Warner Warners involved with American Express? I guess they were, yeah. <laughs> and the gentleman uh, who was primarily responsible for founding MTV is named Robert W. Pittman, and he was a former DJ who then became program manager at several radio stations in the United States, including 
the flagship in New York, WNBC. WNBC. Exactly. Big station. WNBC. He would eventually, after the MTV days, Quinn, go on to found Quantum Media. He became the CEO of Century 21. It's a weird thing, right? And then, to make it weirder, the COO of America Online. Oh, that? Then the chairman of the Clear Channel Network, and then that eventually became the iHeartMedia. And he's still involved with iHeartMedia. He's still in the game, huh? Still in the game. But at this time, he's a young guy, and he tested his format that he had in mind with a 15-minute quick program called Album Tracks. Hi, I'm Bob Pittman. This morning on Album Tracks, we'll have news of Yes, Chicago, and Brand X. We'll also have summer concert info for you, new albums due for release, and a profile of Todd Rundgren. He was able to get that on NBC4, I'm assuming due to his prior relationship with WNBC. What was that on, in 3 in the morning? Probably <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> have you ever been in the New York area? If there's something like weird, it's probably on at 3 in the morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there are a few other people, we're not going to go into detail on them, that were also involved in the founding of MTV that uh, Mr. Pittman worked with. Les Garland. John Sykes, who is actually currently the chairman of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation. Oh. And Tom uh, Freston. Now, another gentleman involved here, Robert Morton, he he had a great quote I had to read. We'd explain that we were starting a music channel and we were going to play videos, and people didn't even know what videos were. Yeah. That's how difficult this pitch was to get across. Yeah, because here's the thing, too. VCRs are new. Like, new. You know, so like the word video, what, everyone's like, what the hell does that mean? They, they they probably think motion picture or movie. Right. Right? Is like when they think of anything or television. And television. And you got to remember, at the time, up to, you know, this time, 79, 80, the typical consumption method for music was as follows. The radio or your physical media, such as like an LP, right. cassette, whatever the case may be. There's no visual aspect to it, generally, unless unless you're talking about the Ed Sullivan show or right. something like that. Only watching either maybe a concert is played on television or an appearance on a talk show like right. Sullivan, or buying a ticket and seeing them in person. But even though these music videos existed, they weren't widespread because there was no widespread distribution for them Again, yet. they were just blurbs on television programs. Correct. Like They were just like, Oh, we got this thing, and Donna Summer's going to be on the show, sort of. Right, like, <laughs> kind of, Yeah, in theory. Yeah. So all of these men that we mentioned, uh, these founders of MTV, they were all relatively young at the time, you know, 20s, maybe early 30s, young people, hungry, you know, wanting to make a change, and none of them had ever done something such ambitious as, you know, forming a brand new channel slash medium, in yeah. a way. And they just liked music and they, TV, and they wanted to mash them together, and they had in their own description, some somewhat of an attitude about it. You know what yes. I mean? They, they really did. They wanted to make this be successful. They knew what they wanted, right? Yeah. They quit jobs to make this happen. Mm-hmm. They put their they time quit, in. They went all in. They went all in. One of the other great quotes out of this was, we're going to do what FM, what FM did to AM. There you go. That was one yeah. of their mantras. I like that. And I remember this was a lot of the the theming of the channel or the, you know, whatever, the focus. A lot of the VJs in those early clips, they would they would mention stuff like them. We're going to, it's like the next step of radio, right? It's like you won't even need to turn your radio on. You just turn your TV on. It does everything, right? You're still hearing the top 40 hits. Or right, you're hearing case, all maybe. the songs, but you can see them too. I think that was like the vision, right? It was yeah, like, literally. ultimately, you wouldn't need the radio anymore because you, you'd have it just be combined. Yeah. The first stereo music TV channel, MTV. Music television. So, on August 1st, 1981, at 12.01 Eastern Standard Time, 
it was time to launch MTV mm-hmm. Music Television. So they got a rocket ship. Yes. And um, they got a spaceman, and yes. they, they said, let's launch this station. <laughs> Very appropriately, yeah. uh, we get to see footage of the Apollo 11 launch and then the first Challenger shuttle Wait, launch. Wait, you're telling me that wasn't the MTV <laughs> spaceship? It wasn't the MTV astronauts, I, no. Uh, oh, no. No, okay. I'm sorry to disappoint uh, that's, you. That's what, what a disappointing years revelation. Later. <laughs> yeah. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, four. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. I guess it was retconned to this being some huge explosive thing, but... Initially, MTV, maybe besides the very, very beginning. Like 50 people see this or something? Like It was low-key. Yeah. I think it's, again, it did matter, but the first year or two of MTV was not as it would become, which we will get to. Um, But obviously, pretty famously, most people know this as a trivia question. The very first video played on MTV was The Buggles. Video killed the radio star. Yes. And I'm pretty sure after an hour, it was also probably the first video played twice on MTV because they were out of videos. Yeah, they didn't have a lot. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) They did not. Um, We're not going to run down every single video. You can always look that up. It's on YouTube. But uh, the second video, maybe not as many people know, was You Better Run by Pat Benatar. I do remember this because I've seen the broadcast. Pat Benatar. um, Then there was Rod Stewart, She Won't Dance With Me. And that's not a surprise if you know anything about the history of MTV and Rod Stewart's involvement. (laughs) He was involved. In helping pitch it in the back and stuff. Like, Rod Stewart, like, I, again, I've read a book on this and, like, he had this weird loose association with like the people like launching this network and like they he he was used as kind of like a spokesperson to the yeah. the, the execs and stuff. Like bait almost. Right. It's like, oh look, it's Rod Stewart. Like he's a he's a star and he's just on board with this, he's right? A name, yeah. But also he's just like also on board with cocaine. And like <laughs> there's like tons of stories of him just being like insane at all these things. Like <laughs> And he, he was, like, everywhere with them for right. months. Like, yeah. they had to deal with him. Like, that, that sounds like a tough job. Yeah. It's not, it, it's, I just thought it was always this, like, fascinating little weird tidbit of the launch of MTV. Like, why is Rod Stewart all over this? Would you want to be hanging around Rod Stewart for months? I don't think I could. Not in his heyday. Not even... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not in his heyday. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, not, not until he became, like, soft rock or whatever later on. Yeah, and just covering other people's shit. And right, all that. yeah. Uh, and then The Who was also featured on day one with You Better, You Bet which was actually a contemporary song for them. But see, the music videos is one thing. That's not all that the presentation was. What about the people presenting them? Yes. See, obviously on the radio, you have disc jockeys, the right. DJs, well, right? I mean, you, who's, you got to jock something else here, right? You got to jock something. Well, how about on MTV, we had video jockeys, VJs. VJs, yes. And there are five originals, and intentionally... They were positioned and chosen by the founders or by the people involved to be a little bit of every demographic. So you had Nina Blackwood, who was the bombshell. That was Rock for Campuchia, live footage from that fabulous concert. Be sure to be with us next Friday night when we'll have our first live concert via satellite. You had Mark Goodman, who was the everyman. What a piece of work. Thriller, a long time coming. Michael Jackson's Thriller. 
You had your favorite Quinn, Alan Hunter, the jock. <laughs> yes, Alan hi, Hunter. Hi, I don't like hi. wrestling. Yeah, him. <laughs> Dancing with myself, music from Billy Idol right here on MTV, where tomorrow night we bring you another edition of Fast Forward. You had J.J. Jackson, the radio vet. I'm J.J. Jackson, and I do have the music news for you here on MTV. And as a matter of fact, I recently went to Atlanta. In fact, recently, it was last week, and we talked with Boy George while we were down there about the new Culture Club video. And I don't know if you know this person, Quinn. Yeah. Martha Quinn, the girl yeah, next door. Yeah. We are ready for our Sunday night special. Eric Clapton is a guy who can indisputably be called a rock legend. His career stretches back over two decades. Any relation? Yes. She's like my second cousin. There you go. There you go. I got to tell you guys a story just because it's funny. I met Quinn in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I found out what your name was, Michael Quinn. And I very sarcastically and almost just like as a throwaway line, I was like, what are you, related to Martha Quinn or something? And you're like, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I just thought that was very funny. She's in the family. Yeah. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. That's all she wrote. And she was the girl next door. She was like young. She was supposed to be like the cute one. And, right, right. And she was very good. I think she was probably the now, most was popular. This, do you think that this was like kind of like a thing so that um, different types of music fans would be ingratiated to one or they'd see one and be like oh these kind of songs are going to be on or something like you know, i don't know if it was that so much as you know like when you're putting together an ensemble cast for a play yeah. or a television show you want to differentiate everyone yeah i just mean to say is like how the radio is like you know that certain disc jockeys oh, play like certain eddie trunk things yeah like that's my yeah like yeah eddie trunk eddie trunk's awesome don't diss it little eddie steven's trunk. underground you're laughing over there at eddie trunk he's great no i know he's not he was amazing in his day like 20 years ago or whatever when he had that show that was on at like midnight or something. And Carol Miller with a yeah. Led Zeppelin stuff. It's the morning and no one cares and I'm going to play Led Zeppelin. Jimmy Page took a shit today. Anyway. 20 years ago, Jimmy Page <laughs> took a shit in front of me. It's, it's like all these weird stories. Like It doesn't make any and then sense. They always play like the same three songs by yep. Zeppelin anyway yep. after the story. Anyway, MTV for the first couple of years was finding its footing. It's also finding its playlist. It was kind of confined a little bit, but a How, lot of the a lot of that was due to the lack of videos, right? That is part of the reason. And I know that early on, not to jump the gun here, but early uh-huh. on, the lack of videos necessitated the bringing in of old British videos, right? It did like because they like were the said, most plentiful. There were a lot of seventies promotional clips that mm-hmm. they would be able to play on MTV. I do want to also mention MTV had a cool logo. It did. Absolutely. It was designed by a firm named Manhattan Design, but I love the MTV logo and how they would change it all the time and do variants of it. My favorite aspect of it is that it's like never changed, that it's always, yeah. it's a color modification or yeah, like it's some, like it's something minor or, but what what's so cool is that that M behind it, right? It's so big that they, they were always able to find weird different patterns and like goofy stuff to put all over it yeah. and like change it up depending on like what the show was or whatever. I love that about like, it. And, and they've stuck with it forever, but I think that's almost like it's just because it's so versatile as yeah. a logo, right? You yeah. can just, you can change, you can change it for anything. The times you can change it. Like, yep. Between its logos and the way they would change their branding and update the logo and modify it and the, um, the idents that they would do, they would do idents. 48 times per day, twice per hour. All day, all night. The music never stops. MTV Music Television.
and they were all different ones, and they were hip. They were subversive, kind of like how Nick at Night would do like all those different like promos in the nineties. Yeah. MTV I think something did that. like Cindy Lauper would do. It's like that style yeah. of like you know what I'm talking about that like quirkiness. Yeah, it, it was yeah, quirky, like, but yeah. it was fresh. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. It was definitely an eighties thing. It wasn't a seventies thing. It has a, a way about it that feels like. We're just scrapping by. This is underground. You're in on the ground floor, right? Like, we don't have a budget. Thank you. We're just going to draw crap on the logo. (laughs) Like, right? But, like, also the idents, in a weird way, the, the frequency of it. Yes. You know what that does as a viewer to me? It says, this is like the radio. I don't know if it was like... Station identification. I'm sure part of it was that they just were trying to fill the time. But at the same time, it also works because of this is a radio on television and that's how radios are. It's like they're always saying their name. I mean, that was the original concept for those first few years. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1982, only a year into MTV, the slogan developed, which was really used as a promotional tool to help people get cable so they could get MTV. Right. And of course, that would be, I want my MTV. So ask your cable provider, say, I want my MTV. Correct. Turn it on. Leave it on. America, see the music you want to see. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. 24 hours a day on cable TV. Stereo, interviews, DJs, world premiere videos, special music news. I want my MTV, MTV, MTV. Yeah, too much is never enough. And this was almost viral. It wasn't viral marketing, but it was very, very brilliant because they would get all different people, starting with the regular people on the streets. They would have like a montage of them saying, but then VJs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like the people that work there. Okay. Right. Yeah. But then they started getting musical artists like Pete Townsend, for example. Sting. Sting. (laughs) Sting. All kinds of people saying it, and that lent credibility to it. And the show like, oh, these people actually pay attention to MTV. This isn't some like rinky-dink operation here. Yeah, I think a lot of the early like promotion for it, like you said, was good because this wouldn't have worked if the music industry itself wasn't kind of getting behind it a little bit because it was like all these artists coming out like and it it didn't matter what genre you were interested in right you might be into p- punk rock or or uh you know just like straight pop pop um you might be in like rock. more disco with madonna and stuff like you new know wave. like new wave and all that like it doesn't matter what you're interested in one of those stars from one of those genres is saying i want my mtv yeah, that's right a good point like and, and it immediately is like oh are they, are they on it i want to see that you know you know it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of times on the show we've talked about when something new enters a medium sometimes it upsets the apple cart you know either the film industry gets mad about something or the cable industry gets mad about something this was a case though where no one had come confidence in the idea initially but there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of resistance once it got going i think because it seems stupid but then probably i <laughs> would imagine radio stations were probably getting pissy that they that they let this even happen if anyone would it'd be the radio stations right, right? but I would think that anything that helps elevate the music business in general is good. You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Right, yeah. As far as I know, I never had a goose. Uh, well, I didn't either. So. Or a gander. Me either. You ever have a gander? I don't know, even know what that is. I know, is that looking for something? Yeah, that, that's what it is, Quinn. Uh, no, it's a male goose, I believe. Oh, okay. Pop, Papa goose? Papa goose. Not gotcha. mother goose. What is this? She this writes is, books and shit. Now, did it have MTV written on the side of the goose? <laughs> They should have had an MTV goose. That would have been amazing. <laughs> now, the, the I Want My MTV slogan, by the way, which was famously uttered by Sting in that Dire Straits song, Money for Nothing. I 
That was Sting in there? Yeah, as a cameo. Oh, that's funny. I never knew that. It's the melody from Don't Stand So Close to Me. Oh. So they brought him in as a joke. I never put that together. That's a fun fact you just sprung on me. Well, we do that here, don't we? But this whole thing, here's another fun fact. This was a takeoff of a 50s slogan, I Want My Mapo, which was a maple-flavored oatmeal. Okay. And much like uh, the Wonder Years, remember how that was a takeoff of the Wonder Bread thing? Yeah, that was weird. And uh, even like Punch Out using that old Gillette theme song. Yeah, yeah. They're taking something very old. You know, I want my Mapo and turning it into their own cultural thing. It's also, just, nobody remembered I want my Mapo. I don't think anyone wanted Mapo. <laughs> yeah. I think they were trying to convince themselves that people yeah. did. But anyway, a Hallmark landmark videos for MTV. Uh, where uh, Michael Jackson had quite a few of them. So, so yeah, this was also controversial, right? Like, if we even just get to Michael Jackson. So, we had that whole beginning where it was, like, new wave videos and British videos, because it's like, we don't have anything, right? Right. But they were, like, resistant or something to putting Michael Jackson on the the channel. Yeah. I mean, a lot of white kids have put on MTV and say, yeah, where's Stevie Wonder? Where's Marvin Gaye? Where's Rick James? You know, where are all these acts next to my Billy Joel record is Rick James. And next to next to my Van Halen record, there's um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And next to my uh, um, ACDC record, there's, um, you know, uh, maybe Aretha Franklin or Dinah Ross or something. Where are these people? I mean, don't we exist? CBS records, like, essentially just, like, blackmailed them and said, like, you don't get any other videos from us and we own, like, practically everything yeah. if you don't put Michael Jackson on. And they were like, okay. Yeah. And then they did... And then he his videos were like better than everyone's, and people like came to MTV for his videos. Like to me, Michael Jackson's videos and like um, Duran Duran's, yeah, yes, like, they were kind of like the first ones where they were like, no, these are like productions. These yeah. are like movies or something. Like sure. we're, we're getting like real cameras and stuff, right? Right. And like Last Christmas is another one where the production quality is like Wham. In, from Wham, yeah. where they're at the ski lodge. Oh, it's beautiful. Have you seen that upscale to 4K? Sure. It's like the, it's it's stupidly high quality. Because it was shot on good film stock right, and yeah. preserved it, it. It, it. And and all of this stuff is like, to me, this is, we, we, we hit the air. Once we get past like weirdo ones, yeah. we very quickly hit the era of like, everything is super high production, yeah. right? And Michael Jackson was one of, if not the first, to really uh, lean into that heart. Again, the pre- the template that was set by uh, Queen back in 1975. Right. But like Billie Jean was his first big one. And then Thriller. And then Beat It. And that's just on that album. Don't forget, you know, the yeah. bad album. And Dangerous with Black or White was yeah. huge. Like Michael Jackson. I mean, that, that's much later. But, but he was a trendsetter yeah. is what right, I mean. Exactly. It's such a leap, too, because you, if you even think of some artists that their first videos, like Madonna, for example, right? Like, Borderline and that shit, it's like the cheapest looking... Yeah, yeah. Like, they're so cheaply produced. Like, it's just... It's her in, like, a, a white room with some crap around it, and sure. she just has, like, ribbons in her hair or something, and she's maybe dancing next to a guy, right? It's very cute. Right? But then you go to, like, Material Girl, where, yeah, like, Material it's Girl. like, it's like a lampoon of a Marilyn Monroe movie Beautiful. shot on yeah. an identical set with, like, perfect one-to-one, like, and then, like, the film quality is excellent. It's yeah. like, the quality of these videos, they, they really, like, shot up. It went from, like, this kind of, like, underground videos. Yep. To very quickly, the record companies realized there's money here. Right. 
And uh, the the artists that were willing to put the work in and the time into make these good videos. Genesis was another one. Genesis, yeah. the Phil Collinar, obviously. Tom Petty ha- was another pioneer with You Got Lucky was one of the ones. Just plots around the videos. Plots yeah. and themes. And it wasn't just people playing music. Right. But then but then also we got the uh, special effects with I Want My MTV and there's like 3D. Yeah. And it apparently like <laughs> it's back in the day to like render that. It took a month or something. Like just for, just for like, like a couple of frames of like a fucking cube man or something. I can only imagine. Like it's just insane. Uh, the real breakout years for MTV were probably around 83, like 84 especially. Mm-hmm. That's when the MTV generation really found its footing. When and pe- cable started to take and off. And cable started to take off. This might be a chicken or the egg situation. I mean, why... Were people buying cable for MTV or were more people watching MTV because they bought cable? It feels like it was like a 50-50 thing, right? There was probably some people, maybe younger people, who finally, maybe they just had a, they had just got their first job so they could they had a little money they could get something, right? Maybe that's what they got it for, right? Because maybe they kept it on the background. They're single. They have an apartment in the city or wherever and okay. they, they're just looking for just something they can turn on in the background and, they're, and maybe a movie at night, right? Yeah. Or... There's the other, there's the Suburban, right, where maybe dad's getting it for HBO, but his kids want it for MTV, but he's really getting it for himself, right, so, yeah. so he didn't really get it for MTV exclusively. But, but it's a byproduct. It's a byproduct, yeah. That's a good point. It also became, around this time in the mid-80s, you didn't want to be, I'm using this term facetiously, uncool by not having MTV. It right. had that, like I said earlier, that cool factor, that luster about it where you wanted to be on the cutting edge with this channel. You wanted to watch it. You didn't well, want... Well, if you were young, especially, the, yeah. Especially, yeah, the MTV generation, Again, I'm, I'm as sure they say. Uh, men and women over their 30s didn't give a shit. No, we're talking about Generation X by yeah, this point. Yeah, it's exactly. Pr- pretty much the, uh, the generation that it was mm-hmm. catering to. There's another great quote here where aesthetic and personal style started to lead in terms of importance over the sound in the popular music. And MTV mm-hmm. had a lot to do with that because now you're watching the people that are making the music. Yep. It's not just about how it sounds anymore. And with people like Madonna for very right. image based, very image conscious, you know, and, and Michael Jackson's big productions that actually led to a bit of a shift in didn't music. Didn't kill like bands like Boston and like Chris Christopherson and stuff <sighs> like that? Cause they were like, what? <laughs> I don't know. If, well, Bachman Turner Overdrive. I'm trying to think of people. I'm trying to think of people who are like guy that no, notably ugly. Like, <laughs> oh, like that's musicians. not nice. Well, <laughs> folks, let us know. I don't know. You know what I mean. Just like not photogenic. Maybe ugly is a bad word for it. Lou Reed. Yeah. Uh, let us know. Uh, your, your Alice Cooper. Yeah. Let us know your favorite ugly musicians at AWM <laughs> Podcast and uh, join our group. I just mean to say it's like those guys got edged out like unfairly because their music yes. was still good. Boston's great. Right. I'm a big yeah. fan of Boston. I am. And yeah. Alice Cooper's really good. Anyway, the impact cannot be overstated here. It really did a lot for the younger generation. It gave them, I guess, you know, teen idols, as they say in a way. But it, it just, it, it launched. absolutely like was the 80s version of Elvis or, or it, the like, Beatles. Or the in Beatles. A, in a way. And maybe in, if you're doing the 70s, what? Like, uh, I don't know. T Rex. Who else is big? No, David uh, Cassidy. Journey or something like that. Who's the biggest band in the 70s? Led Zeppelin. Critically? or Mid-70s band. The Who? I, I have like a band in my head, not the, the Who. The Eagles? Not even the Eagles. Good. It's like arena rock band. Journey? I think it's Journey. Queen? Yeah. Journey? It's Journey. Well, they're, they're big. Yeah. There was other programming, though, that started to creep in right around this same time in the mid-80s, and we're not going to get into extreme detail on any of these shows. 
if we happen to want to do a whole show on specific shows down the road, we can do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did want to mention the Video Music Awards uh, with the Moon Man Award. That started in 1984. Hi, it's Bette Midler. Join me and some of the most electrifying molecular structures on the face of this earth on the first annual MTV Video Music Awards live on September 14th. And I thought this was a great idea. The VMAs? Because it was almost like there still was like probably enough bands that were not on MTV that there was like, hey, let's award the best music videos specifically. And I felt like fans of the channel, this was for them. It was like, fans, what do you think is like the best video all year or something, right? right? right. And it felt like an honor or something because, it, again, this was like in the know and, and it's, you know, it's for young people and it's like, this is the best one, right? I used to watch the VMAs. I um, liked them too because they like were music them. video focused. They were music video focused. Uh, bands would play there. You know, you right. get performances. I mean, award shows are what they are, right? They're kind of hokey and, you know, self-congratulatory, but these were good in the when, early days. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that have been lost, though. There used to be like a prestige to all these stupid awards like to a certain extent like people used to be like wow they won that like right like there was there's like there's this a competition right was there a prestige or were we just younger and more naive I don't know like I feel like award shows have lost the prestige in general yeah maybe maybe Uh, television has because they're more about the performances now that's fair and moments and things like that right and like are they gonna mess up giving the award or is someone gonna (laughs) say something stupid someone gonna slap Chris Rock someone gonna run up on stage (laughs) and protest something like yeah okay fair enough some other shows that were launched, 1987's Headbangers Ball, which yes. is uh, focused on metal. Hi, I'm Ricky Rackman, finally back. Welcome to the Headbangers Ball. Tonight we've got videos from Judas Priest, Def Leppard, Trouble, Death Angel, Winger the Singer. Headbangers Ball, the first run was 87 and 95, but that's for, you know, the metalheads out there. Right. Hard rock. Uh, then there was Yo! MTV Raps, 87 this is to a 95. Cool show. Yes. Yeah. We were at Love and Dr. Dre show, Yo! MTV Raps. That's where we at. With the other Dr. Dre, not the famous Dr. Dre. Right, right. Other Dr. I remember this guy. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Other Dr. Dre. Other Dr. Dre. What happened to that guy? I just lost track of him I, after I that show. I don't know, actually. And that was obviously the hip-hop scene. There was also a game show known as Remote Control. Oh, uh, yeah. 87 yeah. to 90. And a biggie. And I really like this series. And it's still, to this day, I don't know when the last one was, but I think they still do it. Unplugged. Unplugged, and yes. And a full acoustic performance from a popular band. You know, Paul McCartney did a notable one. Nirvana did like a really notable one. The most intense week of intimacy you've ever had. It's MTV's Best of Unplugged Week, featuring your favorite acoustic moments. Monday, Rod Stewart. Tuesday, 10,000 Maniacs. Wednesday, the premiere of Duran Duran. And Thursday, for the first time ever, a milestone in the history of rock. MTV presents Nirvana Unplugged. And uh, very famously, and just ended recently, the division known as MTV News. (laughs) This. With Kurt Loder, most prominently. Now, in a way, this sounds stupid on its head, right? It's like, what music does cable television need yeah music news well what this is so small like right like this is so oh a new album was released right right? it's like (laughs) but i'll tell you what kurt loader lent so much gravity and prestige to this like this shit mattered man like that this was so fucking important he was good at it they were all good at it i'm kurt loader this is mtv news for the first time since wham toured here three years ago george michael will be playing outdoor stadiums in the u.s on the just announced final leg of his current tour 
unfortunately, the, the most famous, infamous, notorious thing is when he announced the death of Kurt Cobain. Right. I would say right, that's right. probably the most notable moment. Do you moment. think that's like the, the, the John Lennon dying moment for MTV? I do. Like or, if John Lennon had died when MTV was around, right. that would have been on that. Yeah, in addition to you yeah. know, Monday Night Football, you know, right. incidentally, but yeah, I think so. So obviously, when something's popular, other variants uh, pop up by other people, mm-hmm. and we're going to run down a couple of those here. But that's a sign that you're doing well, right? So HBO was the first to get into the copycat format with a half-hour monthly program. That's it, known as HBO's Video Jukebox. Next, video visions of the tops and pops. A musical melange of imaginative sights and sounds as the video jukebox plays next on HBO. This feels Uh, like a cash-in, man. It was, because only four months into MTV's run, in December of 81, they started doing this, and it ran for five years until 86. But a half hour once per month. Not too egregious, right? How about TBS with night tracks from June of 83 to May of 92? Coming up next, join music video's hottest on... Night Tracks, next on Superstation WTBS. Which was a weekend late night program where they would run, of course, music videos. You know why all this sucks, Joe? What? It's because the whole point of MTV is that it's endless videos. Correct. So an hour of it randomly <laughs> yeah. on some channel you're not expecting on, who cares? Well, like, the, the best right? that they... <laughs> like, seriously, who cares? The, Unless they have like a debut video or something, the right? The best that they could really do is play things that MTV wasn't playing. Right, That's or, the or, have a, or have like... Michael Jackson's video is going to debut on this. Like, they remember Fox got like black or white, like before anybody. They did, but I don't think anything debuted on Night Tracks. No. Maybe Bread had a new video. I don't know. Maybe Starship. And then. (laughs) Still there. (laughs) Yes, still there. And then NBC notably got into the game. And I remember even watching this as a kid. It was Mm -hmm. still on, it was on for a long time. NBC's Friday Night Videos started in 1983. Tonight on Friday Night Videos. Brand new videos from The Police, Rick Springfield, Stray Cats, and Stevie Nicks. This was smart on their part because, yes, they'd play the videos, but they would dress it up by having celebrity hosts. See, that, that's a way, right? Gotta I, give them that. I mean, it's still not that attractive. No, and it's weak. You could also just turn on MTV at any point in time, even while this is on, and see videos also. <laughs> like that's that's to me why it's like broken. I guess so. Um, again, unless it has a debut video or like you said, a gimmick or something. A gimmick, right? And then speaking of a gimmick, you ever hear of a man named Ted Tana? Yeah, Ted Tana. He liked cable. Well, he liked cable so much, and he wanted to stick it to MTV. I'm gonna get him. So in 1984, he launched the Cable Music Channel. What? And his idea was, we're not going to play all of that music. We're going to play the good American music or whatever, right? That's my Ted Turner impression. You're welcome. And I, I know you know what uh, we're going to do. We're going to play a, a wider range of music. We're going to stay away from uh, the excessively violent or degrading uh, clips. Dog, dog, dog. I know that like people like this stuff, but like I feel like you're missing the point, man. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> listen, MTV is cool. Yeah, Ted right? Turner like, is not. Uh, Ted Turner is not. He's yeah. not. Dob. So this channel, which launched in in 1984, it lost. It lost so much money <laughs> in its first month. <laughs> Oh. That Turner was but they like, just couldn't get anyone to advertise on like, it. I don't know. And so he's like, I'm gonna sell this shit, right? And who did he sell it to? 
but MTV. Of course he did. Yeah. And what did MTV do with it? I'm gonna let me guess which one they turned it into. VH1. Yes. Yes. Presenting VH1, the one in digital Dolby stereo, because VH1 believes that video music should inspire the human spirit. VH1. Now VH1. To me, this is the true competitor, even though it's like owned by MTV. Yeah, it's really really a sister channel. what I thought was so smart about this, right, was that... This was for the boomers. Right. And and then it shifted. It would always be like, it's for the generation behind, behind, right? Yep. And there's like an appeal to that, right? Because you want to see the videos of your youth, right? And when VH1 appeared, what year was it? 85. 85. So it appeared early. Right. Yeah. But I feel like the heyday of it was like the early 90s because then those 80s videos that were so great were playing on VH1. And I thought, this is genius. Right. It's like, this is so good. And they also played more adult contemporary, which they didn't on MTV. Which means Sting. Solo Sting, your your absolute favorite. Every time that was on VH1, I'd be like, nope, out. There was a lot of Solo Sting on VH1. It's like, and all the videos are just like him in like a temple of some kind, like sad, yeah, sad or or meditating, or they're horrible, Joe. God, he was so bad, and I hated the like, oh, he's the best ever or something. And I'm like, when, when he was in the police, like, yeah, he was great there. Yeah, if you're new to the show here, uh, Quinn doesn't (laughs) like Solo Sting, but he does like the police. Yes, I like the. That's why it's so. That's why it's so disappointing. Uh, disappointment factor. But MTV was on top of the world as we entered the 1990s because, hey, when you got other people, when NBC is like, hey, we got to get a piece of this action, you know mm-hmm. you're doing well. When artists are now wanting to flock to your network to do the promos, to make appearances, to do maybe Unplugged or be on one of the various shows right. that are starting like, to crop up. They'd be interviewed on the news thing right. with Loader. Yeah, with Loader, Mr. Yeah. Loader. You know you're doing well. You know you're on the pulse of the people. So how does that continue in the 90s? Well, guess what? We're going to find out. On the other side of this break, we're going to get into the 90s and beyond for MTV. Do what you got to do, because more Acid Wash Memories is coming up right after this. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. That ain't working. MTV Weekends, your favorite music, shows, and special events, non-stop from Friday night to Sunday night. Don't worry, Monday you can go back to work and relax. MTV Weekends, 24 hours a day, twice. Friday night on the John Stewart Show, the NBA's $100 million man, Derek Coleman, MTV's dynamic duo, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, and Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. Huh? Diverse. Friday at 10 on MTV. Got your attention now? Good. I'm Matt Pinfield, and I'm going to let you know what's happening tonight at midnight, 11 Central, for 120 minutes on MTV. Lisa Loeb is here to talk about her new album, her debut, Tales. We'll have brand new videos from Smashing Pumpkins, Mercury Rev, Licorice, Extra Fancy, Sunvolt, featuring ex-Uncle Tupelo guitarist Jay Farrar, Black Grape, featuring ex-Happy Monday's Sean and Bez Ryder, and ex-Del Fuego singer Dan Zanes. A lot of exes here tonight. There's also a cult classic from the church and lots more, so be sure to check us out at midnight, 11 Central, for MTV. 120 minutes. They're bold. They're brave. They're back. Dun, 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 dun. 
Rejoice, America. Beavis and Butthead have returned with all new episodes. MTV's Beavis and Butthead. Join the celebration. Stop. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. And welcome back to more acid-washed memories. This is episode 23. Talking about MTV, I'm Joe Morata alongside Martha, I mean Michael Quinn. Howdy. How you doing there, Michael? Uh, I'm here. Yes, the you boy are next door. The boy next door. That's yeah, right. That's what they call me. <laughs> yes, folks. Uh, thank you for being with us here. And if you want to follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast, that'd be wonderful. And really, we have a great Facebook group where people are nice to each other and we just reminisce. It's there's the no, nicest, really. It is. There's no drama. There's yeah. no arguing. People aren't mean. Uh, so if you have a Facebook account, join it. It's S Watch Memories on Facebook. Join the anti Sting fans. Oh, God. Club. You're going to get heat over this at some point, Quinn. And I'm going to. Who likes him so? Come on. Uh, we're going to. I think. I now think- we're Find Listen, I think, Joe, that this is a way more popular opinion than you think. Well, I didn't say I liked them. You, yeah, you've agreed like with it me. Either. It's bad. I'm just, I'm just keeping my cards closer yeah. to my vest than you are. <sighs> you don't even have a vest. I don't. That's- I have a hoodie on. <laughs> Folks, also, hey, I don't say this every episode. Alyssa does at the end, but if you have a. Uh, iTunes or one of those things, you know, where you listen to this. The Hitler has subscribe buttons on yeah, it. Subscribe yeah. and also leave a review. We'd right. really appreciate that. It helps. It does help. But let's get back to music television here, Quinn, because things are doing great for them. Oh, they're 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 the it's like a cash register of it advertisements. Cha ching, if yeah. you will. They're the place to be when it comes to music on TV. And in the nineties, though, there were some new programs that very slowly planted the seeds for what would become of MTV. And yes, there was some good, there was some bad, Yeah, but the seeds of, of crap The were, seeds of crap. The manure was coming. Yes, uh, and, and the first one was 1992's Real World. After the fantasy, get real. The Real World, May 21st after 90210 on MTV. Now, this... A reality show. At the time, was a big deal. Um, this was not what it became. This was not like what people think of it as. Mm-hmm. But if you are maybe younger, it's like Big Brother or something like that, right? Yes. Where like a bunch of people, like it's usually like what four guys, four girls. So they split up the genders, right? Mm-hmm. E- equally, they live in a house together, and you know, for like eight weeks or yeah, something. It is. And and they it's usually like they're handpicked to be different so that there's like drama. Right? Yeah, of course, because it would be boring to just watch people get along on TV. Right. But it what, would. what what this show was really focusing on, it was like a weird study on like people interacting. Yeah, it's like, like a sociological that, experiment. That yes, coming from different backgrounds yep. and like different races. And what'll and happen if they have to live together? If, what what will happen if they have to live together? You know, the early ones are very um they're almost like coming of age. It's almost like a college house of some kind, right? Yeah. They would assign them that like an actual job so that they weren't just like loafing around all day and right. you know they they would go out every night together and and some of the houses you know over the years became really close and then there'd be other ones where there'd be like complete blowups yeah it was it, fresh for its time it really really yeah it was super fresh I think the first one was in New York and I think it had yes, that like hipness to it where it was mm-hmm. like. A bunch of young kids. Mm-hmm. They've never lived a, on their own. On their own, and they're in New York City yeah. in, a, in an apartment furnished by MTV. Yes, um, and, correct. But and it seems great at first, but you know now they got to deal with the people. The real world, right? The real world. Will. I mean, it's popular. Obviously, it 
ran from 92 until 2017. Yeah. The so. houses were incredible, by the way. Yes. Like, they, they kept they kept upping the ante with the houses. Well, they year. have to, because right. it can't make it worse every yeah. year, Quinn. Then people uh-huh. say it's worse, they right? They added the confessional booth at some point. Uh, yeah, they were, they were, were they the first to do that? I yeah. think so, right? Yeah, it was the like stuff like that that they did first. Yeah. They also had a spinoff known as Road Rules in 1995. You're teamed up with five strangers, stranded in the middle of nowhere. All your money and credit cards have been taken from you. You're on the road leading to who knows where and who knows why. Which ran until 04. Not as popular, and but they would cross over in the real world Road Rules Challenge every now and right. then. Right, so all, the, all Road Rules was essentially was like, what if we did the like they have to live together, but like on a bus and travel <laughs> yeah. and stuff, and like do like thing. do like events and they're like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some of them are like let's race around yeah, the country. It's or Some so, of like, it's really dumb. It's just goofy crap. Yeah, but it was a spinoff. Right. Um, the John Stewart Show was an MTV talk show hosted by the John Stewart before he like mattered. He mattered but, none. N- people were like, just, who the hell is <laughs> John Stewart? He, like, he hadn't even made Big Daddy yet. Yeah, okay? yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he was, was nothing. Like, he was just a comedian. This is where he got his start. Up and coming, yeah. And he would have musical acts on. It was a cable talk show, like mm-hmm. a late night style talk show, but on cable. Please welcome the tallest talk show host in the history of broadcasting, Conan O'Brien. This one was huge for differentiating the programming of MTV. It showed that it could very successfully do something that had very little, just tertiary related to music. Beavis and Butthead. Yes, Beavis and Butthead, the animated stuff. Mike Judge's animated. But this had videos in it. Like that, made, that was tertiary, the thing. like right. kind of related here's to music. The, here's the thing about all these programs. It wasn't necessarily about the music. The concept you can tell and I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure if we asked the producers, it would. It, this is the truth. Let's ask them. It's like the culture around the music. Correct. That's like what they were aiming for. What with the these, John Stewart a quirky show was talk show. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, kids kids who listen to the music living with each other. What happens when they're not listening to the music? Right. An animated cartoon about two slacker metalheads. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. It's supposed to be a lampoon of Generation X teenagers. Yes. It's clearly what it's it even is. like the attitude of the show where right. they would, like make fun of stuff. Yeah. And, like be you know, complete idiots. Right. right yeah. You're right about the music video part. My favorite bits of Beavis... I like Beavis and Butthead. I think it's a very yeah, funny show. They did Mystery Science Theater for videos. Yeah, and I love it. Hey, you know, um, I wasn't feeling very good when the song started, but um, I feel pretty good now. I'm feeling pretty happy. Shiny. Shut up, Beavis. You're a miserable piece of crap. Really, to this day, I could find that funny. It's just quips about it. the music videos they're it's watching. Quips. It's quips, yeah. but it's brilliantly done. And it had a spinoff, Daria. Yes. Late 90s, 97 02. Yeah. Singled Out was another big I one. Loved I loved this show. Now, so, the first Jenny McCarthy yeah, era. Much right? better than Carmen. Fantastic. Yes, right? I love the she, Jenny era. She was great. Right here we have 50 single women. Right here we have 50 single guys. That's right. 100 people all looking for something good on MTV Singled Out. That show was so much freaking fun because it came on right as you... I, what I remember the most about it is is whatever timing they did with it, you'd walk in the house from school or whatever, and this crap would be on. Was that like three or four Yeah, or it was on like at some like time. It was like perfectly timed. You'd like walk in, and it was very... 
pleasant to watch. I love it's that a bunch show. of young people going, Woo, yeah, it's like, yeah, like it's love Woo, connection. Like, yeah, it's love connection right. for our generation, right? Exactly, right? I mean, it, it was. it's what it is, but it's also with that, with the added, like, the crowd is pretty, like, raucous for whatever reason. Like, that's the one thing you I like remember. That? Yes, I remember that it was very, like, should go to a tractor pull then, like, oh, like, you know, all the like reactions and stuff. Did and, you like the Ricky Lake show? Eh. <laughs> Probably imitation Oprah or okay. Rosie O'Donnell. Just yeah. okay. But single that was a big deal, especially yeah. the Jenny. Although Carmen was okay. Carmen was the replacement later on. Yeah. She was fine. She was fine. This was she... before Carmen Electra was like a nobody. She was this was like where she got her start or whatever. Yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah. yeah. Was... And did we even mention I know I don't know if this will come up in the shows, but did we mention MTV Spring Break, which was like a thing? <laughs> Spring Break was a big deal, and it was really though to showcase the kids having fun. I mean, yeah. really, that's what it's about. But again, it's another vibe kind of thing. It's a vibe thing. It, 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 so they still show videos, but the hosts now were like on the beach and like doing all this crazy stuff. And, and they, I know these parties, like they found out later, they got like really out of hand. Yeah, no shit. Queen. Right. It was like, <laughs> hey, let's just put a bunch of kids, no adults. Yeah. And these weird hosts. And like, let's just have them like go fucking nuts. And on top of it, you have the producers like encouraging it. Yes, of like course. drinking and everything. MTV is pleased to present Springer Break. Coming to you from the Grill Jamaica, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, the man, the myth, the cult hero, Jerry Springer. I'll tell you what. What? As a viewer, this was very watchable like, I don't know man I would, not for me during spring break Joe I would oh, just God. always have it on See, like I, I was like this is amazing I think you played right into their hands because I think they want they want the kids at home thinking well, I want to be there you know well, what that's I, what they wanted what I have like notable memories like there's that weird thing where like Jerry Springer thing on, on spring break where like some kid got like tricked into thinking like all of it was real <laughs> like and he like almost beat the crap out of somebody and there was also the other notable one is I remember like this new band came on it Limp Biscuit, oh, and I God. never heard of them Wait, before no. and they were doing like the Victoria's Secret thing and there's like these models walking up and down I'm like whoa but then Limp Biscuit's like singing all this like angry music and I was like this is pretty good it was pretty fun man I wish you didn't tell that story. You don't remember? These were like... The oh, I remember. But these were the I things that like, like Spring Break was remembered for. Like MTV would I like hold it. them up as like the top stuff that ever even happened All I'm t- trying to say is I didn't like it. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I know. I didn't. Tell you what. Another biggie, though, that came up around the same time, 1997, was TRL, Total Request Live. Yes. And so I feel like, in a weird way, the Spring Break specials we're almost weirdly attached to this, and I'll tell you why. Is It's the live element. What Spring Break in the early days, what it injected into MTV was that they were live, and that, right. that was how they preempted the videos, right? Correct. Which was not usually how they did it. His name is Eminem, everybody. What's up, man? How you doing? Dude, I don't know if, I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you, but congratulations, Slim Shady's going to number two. And so somebody got the bright idea. What if we just did this every day? And what if people could vote on what they wanted? What if we right. had a ranking? What if it was a countdown? Yeah. And TRL was very popular, especially in the late 90s. Carson Daly, baby. Carson Daly got his start there, and he was the best host of it. I feel that this show was very much responsible 
for the resurgence of the boy bands and the and the yes. and the girl bands and the and the, the girl divas or whatever you would call them like it was yeah, very pop, pop princesses like yeah that well stuff. it was huge for Britney and Christina Aguilera and, and Pink in the early days and, and the Backstreet Boys ninety like, degrees these were the the staples yep. of this and this to me revived that genre that had been kind of gone since like the sixties or whatever this style of like super poppy like it's really bubblegum pop right is yeah. what it is it's it's maybe like a little spicier bubblegum yeah. than it had been in the 60s and 70s i mean the britney videos were very spicy too. Like, they were for their time i'm sure they're tame now or whatever but were they zesty also they were zesty i'm just checking they had some zest christina videos were good too yes she was a genie in a bottle did you know that i also think that in sync video where they're the toys or whatever don't call that spicy no 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 i just think that that video is super fun okay and it escalates and it's very good it's like the only song I ever liked from them. Very good. <laughs> good video. Well, anyway, TRL was very, very popular, and it ran all the way until 2008. It was revived uh, about five, six years ago briefly, but really, ultimately, as the 90s went on, beginning really in 1995 and throughout the rest of the decade into the 2000s, MTV started to play less and less and less and less music. It's true. The network, I would say, past a certain point, TRL became like the only music. One of right? maybe besides overnights or something. Right. Besides, yeah, all the overnights and on the weekends at nights and stuff. And like they just, it was like dead air. Yeah. They would play videos. But man, it's crazy how TRL became the music aspect. One of the other factors besides MTV developing all this original programming that we've mentioned. And folks, we know we're probably going to forget a show and you're wondering why we didn't mention it, and the honest answer is because we can't think of everything to it's mention. like a million of them. We're yeah. not going to talk about Teen Mom 2 and all this. No, we're like, not. But one of the factors in music declining is that the music videos themselves went from being a simple promotional tool to now where every artist, every label has to meet a certain standard and then exceed that standard and one-up. Got more expensive. Bingo was yep. his name-o. Exactly. Yeah. By the mid to late 90s, it wasn't an easy, convenient promotional tool anymore. But it became some weird, like, necessary thing that they didn't want to do. It, yes, it became a requirement. Right. Judged on its own merit. You were a certain level of artist, or the, the recording industry considered you a certain level of artist if you had a high-end music video, exactly, right? Exactly, right. And, like, it wasn't even about the... I, I can tell it was more a business thing, too. It was, like, a prestige thing, right? It's, it's business. Like the, it, was the, it was the record company said, if we want to push this artist we gotta spend on the video yeah right like th that's the only way we're gonna launch this artist yeah. right but what happened was as mtv started playing them less and this is gr gradual not all at once they started to matter less it's true because they're not being played as much but also there's also another little thing developing during this and i would say definitely played into part of it was like napster and the internet the like, internet in general right and that you could access your favorite artist without the help of MTV. Now, not time. that you could, maybe not could have watched the video at the beginning. You had to, you know, download the song or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you had access to so much music as a consumer. You maybe weren't flipping on MTV to discover. You were just going on Napster. Well, not only that, Quinn, you know? but, but there were competitor channels that were popping up. Most are not around anymore. There was The Box. There was Viva. To counteract this, what MTV did is say, well, we're going to do MTV 2. 
Right. We're gonna, now, MTV2 had been around since 1996 as M2, but a few years later, they changed to MTV2, and they kind of shifted most of their music programming over to MTV2. The summer of MTV2 is now. Where for a period of time in the early 2000s, I watched that because it was music. I was into it too because I, I was pining for the music videos. Yes. Because I did really like that about MTV. And it, TRL was definitely like my favorite thing about MTV at, towards the end of yeah, like the music era. Because you saw the music videos, right? right? And yeah. I was very interested in the rankings yeah. and, and seeing the stars show up and stuff like that. And they would they would introduce you to new songs and stuff. Yes. And it was to me, that was like the coolest part of the channel. So, I would turn it off after TRL. Right, of course. What are you going to watch? Yeah. But MTV2 picked up the mantle in terms of doing stuff that the early MTV did. That's where I discovered The Strokes last night mm-hmm. and a bunch of other bands. But uh, the internet played another factor, which uh, as the 2000s, as the aughts, you know, grew on and YouTube happened, especially the early YouTube with like no restrictions. YouTube was like the final death knell of videos, at least per se. It was because as as we've talked about on the show already, as high speed internet became more and more available uh, and YouTube and other video providers, you know, became more available, you could just watch music videos on demand. How iTunes started putting them yeah. like with the like you would download the music and it would come with the video yeah like, you right. know what i mean like you would just oh you just get the video for getting the song right, right? It's yeah, like, that happened yeah but obviously the biggest change um, was mtv switching to a focus on reality television which for better or worse yeah, i'd say worse in general they had some hits though joe i'm not saying they didn't i'm saying i don't like it right now reality tv which in itself could be an episode one day, the history of reality TV, the curse of reality TV. Yes. It obviously wasn't exclusive to MTV. A lot of the culture on television at that time was shifting away from scripted comedies, especially to reality television because it was cheap. cheap. Yeah. Cheap. Easy to produce. Cheap, Joe. That's, that's why. You didn't even need to find real actors or actresses. Yeah. It's very easy. I think that it was a natural pivot for MTV because of the fact that they were pioneers in this genre, right? They knew how I to agree. Pr- they knew how to produce this. If anyone like, had the right to do it more, right. it was them. They went out there, they got the producers and directors that knew how to do this and they were they weren't doing it as frequently as the networks were you know, by the time they got serious in the game, yes. but they were actively doing it since 1991 or two or whenever yeah, real world. Too, yeah. Like they did have shows in the, in their lineup and they had people who knew how to make this stuff. Absolutely. Right? And what they did though, with their first true big hit after real world, obviously was they got celebrities. And in this case in 2002, Ozzy Osbourne, a gentleman is a husband of high caliber. I want to buy a gun, Sharon. What? I just want to buy a gun here. I like shooting. I don't know. my hobby. This show was a massive hit. The Osbournes, yes. And you know what I thought was unique about this show? I thought it did a very good job of humanizing a celebrity. Well, especially Ozzy. Yeah, because Ozzy, to me, before this show, is I thought he was like the dark wizard, and like, he was like you know, like he was just some like weird like person, like Alice Cooper, that's like untouchable. Like you don't want to know what Ozzy's doing. And then they show you, and he's just some freaking old man who doesn't know how to work a remote control, 
and is kind of a nerd. Like he's like watching like the History Channel and stuff. You're like, what? The, like you know what I mean? Like Alice Cooper would be proud, right? He was just like he was just some regular dad. Yeah, right. And his kids are like, Dad, you're so uncool, and you're like. Ozzy Osbourne, uncool. What? Like it was. It was so. It would. It kind of like really like blew your mind at the time. Oh, right? it did. Yeah, and, and Sharon, and, and, Sharon yeah. and his wife was like super nice and yeah. like and she was kind of likable. The reason I think this worked, and I'm sure this is an obvious thing, is because it was the first time. Like, yeah, we'd had reality TV, all kinds of competition, yeah. like Fear Factor, blah blah blah. It was the first time we got a peek on the inside of celebrities' right. lives. This is the first one that I know of on a large scale where they did this with celebrities. Hogan knows best VH1 picked up a few years yeah. later. But the uh, Osbournes really were, and uh, that was like a pioneering show. It in was. That. Like, I never had seen anything like that. And they, we would see plenty more after that. Oh, yeah. The copycats came roaring in. Including on MTV with Run's House. Remember that? Rev Run. Yeah. Meet the Barkers with Travis Barker. A lot of these never captured the success. No. Like, as, as the Osbournes did. H- Hogan Knows Best on VH1 did well. It was amusing because Hulk Hogan just lies constantly. Yes. And, like, and he has it, no idea what anything he is. Has, he, he has no... It's like he doesn't even understand understand what he did good like you know what i mean like he doesn't remember probably doesn't obviously the kardashians on e they would become the you know most popular uh reality show ever which was again just the osborns it's the same show the (laughs) debt of gratitude is over there another one though and this guy would become ubiquitous on the channel was rob and big uh, Rob Deerdick. This obviously. show was just charming. To I me. loved like, it. it was I love because very first sweet. of all, like these guys were pseudo celebrities. They were like yes. loosely involved with like Tony Hawk and stuff like that, right? Yeah, Rob like, Deerdick was very good, right? But he's not Tony but, Hawk. But I knew him value. from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Correct. I'm like, oh, he's in that scene, yes. right? Remember and the- Big was like his bodyguard or something, yes, right? That's, that's what it was. But they were like friendly it and was like so sweet. And like it, it, the little horse. You like watch the yes. You just watch this <laughs> friendship slowly like develop. I know, like even deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're like, this is just a pleasant program. It was a good show. And then he, would, <laughs> he would have fan Fantasy Factory and all that. And yeah, uh, and he kind of went insane and he became Mr. MT. Mr. MTV. And then uh, an infamous reality show, Jersey Shore in 2009. So you roll your eyes, but this first season, Joe, the first season of it was Chef's Kiss. Oh, get out of here. It was so good. There's nothing good. No, good is a horrible It was so good, Joe. Good? Do you remember how people cared about this show to the point, like, I remember parties watching this shit, like, the new episodes and stuff. Like, it was, it was so well done at the time. It wasn't well done. I think... It's a very crappy show. No, what I think... With a bunch of people acting stupid. What I think... The difference, it's literally, what it is of that show, and they're mean over a lot of other reality shows at the time, is the cast was perfect, and you don't. It was like a dice roll; like there, it didn't take talent to find that. It was like they. Oh, it didn't take talent. Right. Yeah, got it's that like, right. It's like these producers accidentally stumbled on like the weirdest collection of people possible. All you got to do is walk into any club in Staten Island to find right. these people, but they were entertaining. That was the thing, was, like, they were not, like, the typical, like, smattering of random kids from, like, ones from Chicago, ones from the Midwest, and, like, and they were all just, like, archetypes and stuff. They were just a bunch of weird Jersey people in a freaking room acting insane. There are, like, most of them were from Staten Island or, like, the Bay Shore part yeah, of the Jersey, yeah. too. Well, we just like to have a good time. Oh! 
just the way you say. Look, are we seriously in a bar trying to fucking dance? Nobody knows how to dance. I, for the record, I don't have any problem with the show because it portrays Italian-Americans in a certain way. I'm 100%. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that they film it about an hour away in Seaside Heights. Grenade whistle, Joust. It bothers me (laughs) because the show is fucking stupid. That's my favorite part. It's so stupid. I get it, but I'm not calling it good. These people were crazy. You're saying, oh, it's good, it's perfect, it's casting was great. No, 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 no. I always give credit because I think whoever produced that show was on crack. No, they, what, they... Oh, sorry, meth. They stumbled on some weird something that nobody expected. It was like a phenomenon. It was. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it really was. So was the Macarena, Quinn. Right. <laughs> Just Do you saying. look back on that fondly? Snooky and JWoww. I know the and, names. And, and Ronnie. And Ronnie and, and the and situation. And, the, I mean, and the, Vinny. The fact that they're still and memorable. Sammy Sweetheart. Yeah, Sammy Sweetheart. And then the girl, they got, like, kicked out or whatever, but then she came back. You remember? Angelina. Angelina. <laughs> Is and she was like, yeah, she was like a big jerk to everyone when they brought her back in, like in season two. And then they kicked her right back out. Yeah, and then what's her face came in? Someone's old friend, Snooky's old Snooky's friend. Snooky's like, oh, they're friends. Yeah, yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, like, off. And the, like, the house is great. The, the duck phone and like Stop all this it, stupid Quinn. crap. Okay, it's, and they work in the t shirt shop. They work store. in the t shirt shop. And, it's so hard. Yeah. To work for an hour on the boardwalk <laughs> without making a fucking scene about it. Because they couldn't get drunk during it. That's that, the, it, only twenty three other it, hours it was, in the was, day. It was the come down for them, Joe. They couldn't handle it. I hate it. Anyway, perfect timing to get into Channel Drift. Uh, Channel yeah. Drift is a phenomenon, if you will, that sets in with television channels where they gradually drift away from their initial focus in terms of programming, branding, identification. They lose their identity, and that, to me, Quinn. Because a lot of channels have experienced this since cable started to fall yeah. off. We talked about it in our cable episode. That, to me, is the biggest casualty of this. It's not realistic to ever for anyone to expect that MTV would have played music 24-7. By the early 80s, they weren't playing music 24-7. Right. It would be realistic, at least, to expect music television to play music yes, occasionally, to right? to have some music, correct. Well, that's why in February of 2010, they eliminated music television from the MTV branding. They're just MTV now. It's just an initialism now. Yeah. To me, that's the loss of identity because any of their programs that ran in the last decade, 15 years, could be on any other cable channel, mm-hmm. AMC or Bravo or yeah. any of these channels, TLC, right? And it doesn't matter anymore that it's on MTV. That prestige, that factor of like, oh, if it's on MTV, it's going to be good and I want to see it. That's what disappeared. Yes. It, it, it was kind of like this sad, I don't know. It's like something came with that, with the removal of the music videos. And that was the death of music videos, which was kind of. On television anyway. Yeah, on TV. But I feel like they even lost their prestige on the internet. Like, all the prestige was lost. Like, it just didn't matter anymore. Well, you know, that's interesting because we've talked about a lot of things that went obsolete over the course of doing the show so far. It always seems to be for the same reason. The need is eliminated. Right. And I'd say in this case, the need for MTV first to play music videos was eliminated with the internet and competitors and stuff, right? But now even the need for full... Production and I know they still do them. I know records. Some of them still do them. Yes, but the need is more eliminated because now artists can self-produce things, right? With with help, but release them to Instagram. Right. I was just going to say, I think Instagram is actually the true killer of this because 
a celebrity in 30 seconds or TikTok, mm-hmm. a celebrity in 30 seconds can shoot a, a video of them saying hi to their fans or here's a preview of my new song or like whatever yep. and it will get a zillion likes and everyone knows what it is and yeah. they don't need like a music video they'd have to they took time to produce this thing all to get the same amount of views probably one in, video on Instagram gets being produced in 30 seconds for free with their phone yeah and that's just as effective as the promotional tool exactly it's free yeah they still exist. I'm a big Miley fan. You know this, right? Mm-hmm. And Miley came out with a new album earlier this year. She keeps releasing videos. I'm not. Even, I love her. I'm but not watching them. Can, can I ask you a question? I've heard the songs already. How are you made aware of this new stuff now? That's oh. to me. That's what the difference is. Instagram. Instagram. I follow exactly. Her on Instagram. You follow her on Instagram, and that's, she says, "I have a new album yes, coming that's out." That's how I knew. Exactly. That's how you know. And and, that, and there you go. Right. That's, and, you that, buttoned and, it up perfectly. Right. She doesn't need to make a music video because she can send an Instagram story to say. Hey, hey, this is my new album. It's coming out next week or something. Do you think music videos now are just part of a legacy package with artists? They're not a necessity, I said they didn't have prestige, but in a way they do because the upper echelon ones have the money Okay, and they'll show off that they can make it just to show off. Like Miley did. Right, yeah. Like Taylor Swift. Yeah, exactly. Or Beyonce likes to to really spend on the music videos, right? Yeah, okay. That Um, makes sense. Kanye did for a while. Remember his music videos were large. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Large. And in charge. And in charge. So... Gone are the days of having to sit in front of your TV at 9 o'clock to watch the latest premiere video. Gone are the days of the video countdown, TRL, MTV News. In a way, it is sad. I do think it's sad, Joe. But culture does shift. Mm -hmm. Technology evolves. And what we have today in terms of MTV is not music television anymore. ridiculousness and only ridiculousness. That really is true, folks. If you have never looked it up, there was a period of time. I don't know if it's still now, but it was like uh, for a while. I looked it up a couple months ago. It's still happening. I forget the percentage, but it was an ex- a disproportionately there was like, high percentage. There was some record broken where it was like a week straight where he was like the only thing on. It's, like, it, that's it. It's insane. Taped episodes of ridiculousness, marathon only. Would you think that that's ridiculous? Yeah, it is ridiculous. Thank it's you. actually appropriate that that's the show, well, that's right? Because it, it's yeah. the it's the cheapest in and of itself. It's cheap. It's just Rob playing funniest home videos, basically, <laughs> and just sitting there with his goofy cousin, whoever she is, laughing at them. Right? There you that's go. all. That's all. That's all it is. We missed our calling. We Quinn. we we talked about how funniest home videos is a cheap show to produce. Yes, right. right? It's yes. like they not only did they find a cheap thing to produce, <laughs> they found the cheapest of cheap things to produce. It's true. It's true. It's and then sad. just played it. And nauseam. But that kind of sums up, and that's very emblematic of what MTV is today. Let's just make sure we make money. Yeah. That's all it is. Obviously, it's a business. It was always there to make money, but I feel like in the 80s and through the 90s, there was a lot of artistic integrity involved here. They were really going for something, a certain aesthetic, a certain vibe, like you said, a vibe. It's true. A certain je ne sais quoi, if you will, where it meant something to be on MTV. It meant something to watch MTV. And now... It's ridiculousness. That's all it is. I think we both agree that we do miss it. It'll never return again. Probably not. No. (laughs) The internet has uh, replaced, supplanted, improved, or degraded, depending on your perspective, a lot of these things that MTV used to supply. But folks, what we really need to know is, do you like uh, ridiculousness? Do you like solo sting? But most importantly, 
What are your thoughts and memories on MTV? Did you want your MTV? Do you still want your MTV? Get cable for MTV. Yes, I want to know, folks. Let us know at AWM Podcast on Twitter. Join our Facebook group and remember to leave us a review. But guess what, Quinn? We will be back next week for something completely Ah, different. It's true. Until that time, thank you so very much for being with us here. Until next time, this is Joe Morata and Michael Quinn, and we'll see you next week for more Acid Washed Memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week.